السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلم تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما Respected listeners We continue with the topic of the traits of hypocrisy Beginning with the characteristics and traits of hypocrisy that we learn from the verses of the Holy Qur'an. Today is the third part. Over the, in the previous two parts, I began commenting on the first set of verses in the Holy Qur'an, right at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of some of the munafiqun, the hypocrites, in the blessed city of Medina during the time of the Prophet I've covered a number of verses so just to recap Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ and there are of the people those who say we believe in Allah and in the final day and they are not believers. يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They attempt to deceive Allah and those who have believed. And they do not deceive anyone but themselves. And they don't even realize. فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضٌ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ In their hearts there is a disease. So Allah increased them in disease. And for them is a painful punishment because they would lie. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْلِحُونَ And when it is said to them, do not make mischief, on earth, they say, we are but reformers. Lo, they, verily they are the corruptors. But they do not know. They don't realize. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ آمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ النَّاسُ قَالُوا أَنُؤْمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ السُّفَهَاءُ أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ هُمُ السُّفَهَاءُ وَلَكِنْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And when it is said to them, believe just as the people have believed. The people meaning the noble companions, the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم. They say in reply, أَنُؤْمِنُوا كَمَا آمَنَ السُّفَهَاءُ What should we believe as the fools have believed? 
Lo, they indeed, they, they are the fools, and they don't know. And when they meet the believers, they say to the believers, we have believed too. And when they retreat into seclusion to their devils, meaning their fellow hypocrites, their fellow enemies of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and their leaders. These are the these are their devils. So So when they retreat into seclusion to their devils, they say, Indeed we are with you. We are only joking, i.e. with the believers, when we tell them that we have believed and that we are with you. Allah is the one who is mocking them. And Allah is the one who is increasing them in their transgression so that they wander aimlessly. These are a people who have purchased misguidance in payment of guidance. So their trade wasn't profitable. And they were not ones to find guidance. This is a verse where I stopped last week. It still requires a bit of explanation. So I've just quickly translated the previous verses to give you uh, a quick summary of what we have covered. And this is where we stopped. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is still speaking of the same munafiqoon and hypocrites. Allah says, these are a people who have purchased misguidance. In lieu of, in payment of, in exchange of guidance. So their trade wasn't profitable. And they were not ones to find guidance. This verse reflects a common theme in the Holy Quran, which is the language of trade, of commerce. Mecca was a mercantile commercial society. It was a trading city. And there was no agriculture. So the, the city of Mecca depended on trade. The elites of the Quraysh were all traders. That's how they and the city made, uh, that's how the city made its wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even refers to that in Surah Al-Fil, لَإِلَافِ قُرَيْشِ إِلَافِهِمْ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ That for the endearment of the Quraysh, For their becoming accustomed to Rihlata Shita'i was safe, the journey of winter and the journey of summer. This is a reference to the different seasons of trade where they would travel to different 
in, in different directions for trade, huge trade caravans, so that in, the, the city depended on trade. Uh, when the Sahaba عنهم, emigrated to, uh, to Medina, the, there was a famous division. It wasn't, a, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a hostile division, but the contrast was very stark and clear. The, just as Sayyidina Abu Hurairah عنهم, relates, he says that people would ask, how come Abu Hurairah, who was one of the junior Sahaba عنهم, and who was one of the latecomers to Islam. In fact, he didn't embrace Islam until the seventh year of Hijrah. So how is it that Abu Hurairah was able to relate so many hadith? Every occasion, this is what people said, every occasion Abu Hurairah has a, has a hadith. Every question Abu Hurairah has an answer with a hadith. And so Abu Hurairah said himself, he said that some of you say that Abu Hurairah يُكْثِرُ الْحَدِيثَ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم, That he excessively narrates hadith and attributes these hadith to the Prophet So Abu Hurairah was pleading his case. And whoever was casting aspersions on his honesty and whoever was objecting negatively and insincerely Abu Hurairah radiyallahu said to them, Wallahu al-maw'id, they weren't the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, they were the others. He said to them, Wallahu al-maw'id, meaning, you say this, but by Allah will be our promised time of settling the account. By Allah will be our promised meeting. Then by Allah we shall see whether I am speaking the truth or you are speaking the truth. But he went on to explain why and how he was able to relate so many hadith. So we learn from a collection of narrations in Bukhari itself that Abu Hurairah said that as for our brothers from the Muhajirun, they were busy in the markets, in trading in the markets. And as for our brothers of the Ansar, they were busy in their farms and orchards. So this hadith very clearly explains the contrast between the Muhajirun, who were all mainly traders, and the Ansar, who were farmers. Uh, because Medina, being an oasis, was rich in fertile soil, in water, in uh, irrigation, and therefore in agriculture. All kinds of cereals were grown in, in and around Al-Madinat Al-Munawwarah, not just um, dates, but there, were, there was wheat, there was barley, and various other crops. So it was a very fertile, lush, green oasis, and it was a center of agriculture. But Makkah al-Mukarramah was barren, and therefore there was no agriculture. They, they depended and thrived and survived on trade. This is reflected in the Holy Qur'an, because the Qur'an uses many financial, commercial terms throughout the Qur'an. So this is one such verse, فَمَا رَبِحَتْ تِجَارَتُهُمْ That their trade wasn't profitable. And what this verse shows is the short-sightedness the shallow and superficial nature 
of the hypocrites. As opposed to the believer. A believer is not short-sighted. A believer is far-sighted. A believer is not shallow and superficial. A believer is profound and deep in his thinking, in his vision, in his conduct, in his understanding and perception. A believer doesn't look at the short-term gain. That's what the hypocrite does. The munafiq only looks at today and tomorrow. No further. He looks at short-term gain. His understanding is limited to the dunya. He can't think beyond. Just as I explained in Surah Al-Munafiqun. Allah says of them, هُمُ الَّذِينِ يَقُولُونَ لَا تُنْفِقُوا عَلَى مَنْ عِنْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ حَتَّى يَنْفَضُوا this is a reference to when the hypocrites were saying to each other that if you want to drive out these Muslims and these emigrants and these refugees, as they refer to them, if you want to drive them out of our city of Medina, Yathrib, then it's very simple. Don't spend money on them. We've opened up our homes to them. We've shared our wealth to them, with them. We've accommodated them. We've embraced them. And that's why they've become rebellious. And they are ungrateful. So if we want to get rid of them, it's very simple. Just don't share your wealth with them. Don't feed them. Don't give them any money. Don't spend on them. Don't aid or help or assist them in any way. And soon, because of poverty, you'll see that they'll disperse and flee from our city. They'll just disappear. So Allah quotes them in the Quran. They are the ones, i.e. the hypocrites, who say, do not spend on those who are with and by the Messenger of Allah. Until they disperse. That verse, and this verse too, that, that verse is proof of what this verse says. That their vision was very short, they were very short-sighted. They looked at immediate gain. Their whole understanding was worldly. So they judged the Sahaba radiallahu anhum on themselves. They loved nothing but the dunya. That was their short-term vision. They saw an immediate short-term gain in siding with the Muslims. So they sided with the Muslims. They saw an immediate short-term instant gain and gratification by claiming to become Muslim and by claiming to follow the Messenger So for them it was easy. They announced their Islam. So when they were with the Prophet وسلم, and the Sahaba عنهم, as the previous verses have just said, they would say, Amanna, we have believed. Because for them that was a short-term gain. It was beneficial, it was profitable to tell the Muslims that we are Muslims just like you. Then a few moments later, when they would go 
to their fellow hypocrites and to their fellow unbelievers and to those who oppose the Messenger of Allah, within a few moments they would say to them, we're not with them, inna ma'akum, we are with you. So if they ever said, well, why did you tell them you are believers? They would say, we're only joking with them. We're making fools of them. So for them, that was the immediate short-term gain. Everything was determined by instant, immediate satisfaction, gratification and gain and profit. Nothing else. So they judged. That's how they were. And they knew how they were. So... As is common, we always like to think of others as we see ourselves. The rogue, the ruthless, the cynical person sees everyone like himself. So he thinks everyone else is a rogue, is ruthless, is cynical, and is harsh and heartless and is unscrupulous, just like I am. And the poor innocent person, who is trusting, innocent, naive, soft, sensitive, that poor person thinks everyone is honest, innocent, soft, naive, trusting, unsuspecting, and credulous. It's human nature. We see a reflection of ourselves in others. So the munafiqun thought, these people are just like us. We love the dunya, they love the dunya. We love wealth, they love wealth. We love our bellies and our stomachs. And that's what they love too. We crave food, and they crave food too. So it's very simple. If we want to get rid of them, stop feeding them. Don't share your wealth with them. Don't give them money because that's all they want. And as soon as you stop feeding them, as soon as you stop giving them wealth, they'll disappear. They'll go elsewhere where they can find and scrounge for food. They are scavengers just like we are. That was their vision. That was their thought. But little did they know that the Sahaba عنهم, were not interested in food. We're not interested in wealth. In fact, subhanallah, the muhajirun and the sahaba radiallahu anhum were so pure of heart, it's unimaginable. We argue, siblings, blood, full-blood brothers argue over inches of land. Siblings, brothers and sisters who grew up together, fight with each other over their dead parents' inheritance. All love goes out of the window. That's how families are. We go to tribunals. We stand before judges. We go to courts to make claims against each other that he has taken my wealth or he has something that belongs to me or he has something that I think should be mine. 
or he has injured my feelings, therefore I want to sue him and rob him of his entire wealth. So we go to courts, we go to tribunals. We want judgments in our favour to take wealth. And that's common throughout the world. The Sahaba radiallahu anhu was so pure. So pure, Allahu Akbar. The Prophet did بينهم, meaning he created a brotherhood between the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. He made the Muhajirun the brothers of the Ansar. So when he made them brothers, the Ansar said, Look, we have lands, we have fields, we have orchards, we have palm groves. We want to give you half of our wealth. So the Muhajirun said, we don't want it. They actually said, we don't want it. So what did the Ansar do? Did they say, okay then, Phew, relief, alhamdulillah. No. The Ansar went to the Prophet wasallam. they went to the judge, and they said, we want to make a claim. What's a claim? These Muhajirun brothers of ours, we offered them our wealth. Our lands, our estates, half of our assets, half of our orchards and our fields. But they're refusing to take them. Ya Rasulullah, can you compel them to take them? Can you lean upon them to take them? Will you please tell them to take half of our wealth? So the Prophet ﷺ made them the offer that this is what they're offering. And Muhajirun said no. Eventually they came to an agreement the Muhajirun and the Ansar. The Muhajirun said, Oh Ansar, what you do is you keep your land and your assets and your fields. They remain yours. We will, we will take part of the produce. We will share the profits and the produce of these orchards with you. And these palm groves and these estates and farms and these lands. So eventually the Ansar said, okay, we accept. SubhanAllah. They were saying, we want to give you half of our wealth, but if you're refusing to take half of our wealth, and you want just a share of our eventual profits, then fine, if you insist, we'll accept that. So they, they actually compromised, but the compromise was not in their, sorry, was in their favor, but they weren't, SubhanAllah, they were willing to give away half of their wealth. That was, the, that was the vision, the understanding of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. But the Munafiqun thought they are greedy for food and for money and for wealth, just like we are greedy for food, money and wealth. They are short-sighted, just like we are short-sighted. They are only interested in the dunya, just like we are. They are only interested in immediate short-term gain, instant satisfaction and gratification, just like we are. So the solution is simple. Stop feeding them, stop giving them money, and they'll disappear. But the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, the Muhajirun especially, were not there for that. Far from it. They were there for the sake of Allah and his Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What these verses then show is the immediate, short-term vision, short-term benefits and vision of the munafiq. 
That's not how a mu'min behaves. A mu'min is not greedy for wealth, is not greedy for food. A mu'min doesn't just look at tonight and tomorrow. A mu'min looks towards the akhirah. A mu'min looks beyond death. A mu'min looks to the afterlife. A mu'min doesn't just think about this dunya. This is vital, this is very important. Short-term vision, short-term aspirations, instant satisfaction, instant gratification, immediate gain, immediate profitability. These are the characteristics of a munafiq, not a mu'min. And this is why Allah says, فَمَا That's the trade they made. And they were so short-sighted that they actually had huda, guidance, in their hands. They were in the city of Medina. They were living whilst the Qur'an was still being revealed. They would see the Prophet They would pray behind the Messenger They would be in the masjid of Rasulullah They would hear his khutbah, they would hear his tilawah. But their hearts were sealed. The voice of the noble messenger of Allah, the words of the Holy Qur'an would not penetrate their hearts and minds because there was a veil of them. Imagine how deprived and unfortunate and how wretched they must have been. If they, if they had the choice, they could have believed in the Messenger of Allah sincerely, remained believers. They could have followed him. But no, they were so blind, they were so greedy, they were so myopic, short-sighted, that they ignored and neglected even the Messenger of Allah, just so that they could get they could fill their bellies for today and tomorrow so that they could wear a few trinkets and they could gather a few coins. So they made a conscious decision to trade, to do business. We, we all trade. In a hadith, Rasulullah says, every one of you goes out in the morning Every morning when a person goes out, he engages in a trade. He sells his soul. It's a hadith. Every morning, every person goes out and makes a trade. He sells his soul. So every one of us sells his soul in the morning. Now you either sell your soul to Allah or you sell your soul to the devil and to the dunya. And that's why in the hadith he said, he says, He either emancipates and frees his soul, or he destroys it. So we make a trade every morning. We sell ourselves. And we either sell ourselves to Allah or we sell ourselves to the dunya and to shaitan. And that's what the munafiqun did. 
They had guidance. And when, whenever we do business, whenever we buy and sell, whenever we barter, we exchange, we trade, we have to give something in order to get something. We either pay pounds, dollars, currency. We, pay an, we exchange an item for an item. We barter. We have to give something in order to get something. We have to make a payment. So the munafiqun, what did they pay? What did they pay? They made a trade. They bought and sold. So what was their exchange? What was their barter? Their payment was huda, guidance. They paid the opportunity to be with the Messenger of Allah. They paid away. They gave away in payment, Jannah. They gave away in payment, guidance. They gave away in payment, the whole akhirah and afterlife. They gave away in payment, the suhbah and the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They gave away all of this and much more. And what did they gain in exchange? What did they buy and purchase in exchange for this payment? Dalala, Allah says, they bought deviation and misguidance and waywardness. So Allah says, فَمَا رَبِحَتْ تِجَارَتُهُمْ Their trade wasn't profitable. وَمَا كَانُوا مُهْتَدِينَ And nor were they ones to find guidance. I'll move on. This is the nature of hypocrisy. This is another characteristic of nifaq. That the munafiq is short-sighted, looks for instant satisfaction, gratification, and immediate profit and gain. And that's all that matters. And this is why the munafiq is never steady in a, in, in a normal position. Never steadfast. In fact, in a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I'm paraphrasing, has described the munafiq and the mu'min with trees. So, the mu'min is similar to a tree which has deep roots. Deep roots. It's tall and standing and firm. Even when it's buffeted by strong winds, even a hurricane, the most that happens to that tree is that it sways and it bends. But it never snaps, it never falls. That's a mu'min. When a mu'min has deep roots of faith and iman, a mu'min, even when he is buffeted by strong winds of calamities and misfortunes, the mu'min doesn't break. The mu'min doesn't snap. The mu'min sways, is shaken. But the mu'min doesn't even fall. Doesn't snap, doesn't break, never falls. Because of their, his deep roots. Then the Prophet ﷺ described a tree or a bush, which is similar to the munafiq. And he mentioned the bush. The thing about this bush is it grows in the desert. It's tall, not very tall, but it's rounded. And it has very shallow roots. So it's rounded, it looks really good. Forget strong winds, a slight gust of wind, 
And because it has narrow, short roots, but a very large top, it's top-heavy. The tree is top-heavy. So what happens? As soon as there's a slight gust of, a strong gust of wind, the whole tree uproots itself. The whole tree is uprooted. And it just rolls over and is swept away by the wind, blown away. That's a munafiq. A munafiq doesn't break or snap or sway or bend. A munafiq is there as a whole looking very good. Next minute, he's not there. He's gone. The holes has gone. He doesn't even fall. He doesn't fall. He doesn't snap. He doesn't break. He doesn't bend. He just disappears. That's the meaning of Ya'mahun in the earlier verse. From pillar to post, from one thing to another. Because a munafiq is never stable, is never steady, is never perseverant. Because he has no principles. Why would he have principles? Why would he have scruples? Scruples don't matter. A conscience doesn't matter. Principles don't matter. What matters is immediate gain, immediate profit. So if he has to change his views for immediate gain, he'll change them. If he has to change his religion for immediate gain, he'll change his religion. If he has to change his opinions, he'll do it. If he has to change his position, his principles, his party, his loyalty, his fidelity, his faithfulness, it doesn't matter. Everything is up for bargain. Because all that matters for him and to him is his immediate profitability and gain. Father doesn't matter, mother doesn't matter, brother, sister doesn't matter. Children don't matter at times to the munafiq. All that matters is his instant satisfaction, gratification, immediate profit and gain. And for that, everything, else, everything is on the line. Everything can be sacrificed, everything can be expended, everything can be exploited, everything can be sold. Because that's the nature of a munafiq. Short-term gain and immediate profitability. That's all. And a munafiq will sell everything. A munafiq will sell his soul. A munafiq will sell his religion. A munafiq will sell his opinions, his views. As the joke goes in English, these are my principles. And if you don't like them, I have others. These are my principles. If you don't like them, I have others. So everything's up for trade. My principles, my scruples. That's the nature of a munafiq. Instant, short-term, immediate gain and profitability. And the munafiq always thinks, I've won, I've gained. But Allah says, فَمَا رَبِحَتْ تِجَارَتُهُمْ وَمَا كَانُوا Their trade wasn't profitable, nor did they find guidance. Moving on, because there are many other verses of the Holy Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thereafter says in Surah Al-Baqarah, continuing with these verses, مَثَلُهُمْ كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي اسْتَوْقَدَ نَارًا مَثَلُهُمْ كَمَثَلِ الَّذِي اسْتَوْقَدَ نَارًا فَلَمَّا أَضَاءَتْ مَا حَوْلَهُ ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ اللَّهِ يُبْصِرُونَ Allah says their example, their parable, the parable of the hypocrites, is that of a man who has lit a fire. When that fire has lit up 
what's around him. Allah suddenly snatches their sight, their light. And Allah leaves them in darknesses, unable to see. As I said, there were all kinds of hypocrites in Medina. There were those who had never believed. And there were those who had believed but abandoned their faith. So here, if the ulama have said there are mainly two explanations for this verse, if the reference is to those who never believed, then it's very simple. If the reference is to those who never believed, then it's very simple. Allah says the example, the parable of the hypocrites is that of a man who has lit a fire, ignited a fire. So the fire burns. And it lights up everything around him so he can see. He feels safe. He feels warm. He feels secure. And he has sufficient light. And then imagine, all of a sudden, the light is suddenly extinguished. And the person is left in pitch darkness. No light, no warmth. No heat, no vision. Darkness, layers upon layers of darkness. Imagine the person's panic, especially outside in the wilderness. The person's panic, the person's vulnerability, and the danger. So if this is a reference to those who never believed at all, what this verse is saying is that those who never believed at all, because they were hypocrites, and they made certain choices, such as falsely claiming to be believers. When, when they falsely claimed to be believers, they momentarily, for a short while in the dunya, found some warmth, peace, light, and security. That's what it means. So by falsely claiming to be believers, they assured their worldly safety. No one harmed them. They enjoyed all the benefits and the warmth and the light of the believers, of being believers, of being with the believers. But then as soon as they die, everything is extinguished. They will have no light. No warmth, no heat, nothing in the akhirah. Their example is, ذَهَبَ بِنُورِهِمْ Allah suddenly snatches their light. وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ And he leaves them in darknesses. لَا يُبْصِرُونَ Unable to see. This is why in another verse of the Qur'an, Allah says, On the day of reckoning, يَوْمِ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا انذُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ and before this, Allah says, on the day when you shall see the believing men and the believing women, 
Their light will be running before them and to their sides, to their right sides. What this means is that in the Akhirah, every mu'min, man and woman, will be given special nur. And that nur, the power of the nur, the wattage, the voltage of the nur, will be equivalent to a person's good deeds. The more your good deeds, the brighter your light in the Akhirah. For some, their good deeds were few, they will still receive a nur, but their nur will only light up a bit. And for some, their nur, will light, their light, will light up everything as is visible to the horizon and beyond. And their light will actually race in front of them. It'll be a wonderful thing, a miraculous, marvelous thing. يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ On the day when you shall see the believing men and believing women, their light will be racing before them and to their sides. It will be announced to them, بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمِ Your glad tidings, this day is Jannat gardens, beneath which rivers will flow. So these will be the mu'mineen. So what will the munafiqoon do? The munafiqoon will say, hey, how come we don't have any light? So just as they sought to benefit from the believers and exploit the believers and use the believers and be parasites attaching themselves to the believers, they will want to be parasites in the akhirah as well. They will want to attach themselves to the believers and they will say, and Allah says here, يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ لِلَّذِينَ آمُنُوا انظُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ On the day when the hypocritical men and the hypocritical women, since Allah earlier mentions believing men and believing women, here he says hypocritical men and hypocritical women, on the day when they shall say to the believers, انظُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ that be considerate towards us, naqtabis minurikum. Let us take some light from your light. Give us some of your light. Pilar jiru wara akum faltemisu nura. Fadoriba bainahum bisuri lahu bab. Bartinuhu fihi rahma. Wazahiruhum in kibelehil adab. Yunadunahum alam nakum makum. Alu bella. وَلَكِنَّكُمْ فَتَنْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَتَرَبَّسْتُمْ وَارْتَبْتُمْ وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِينَ حَتَّى جَاءَ أَمْرُ اللَّهُ وَغَرَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ So the hypocritical men and hypocritical women will say to the believers, consider us, be considerate towards us so that we can take a bit of your light. It will be said to them, go away, Retreat and look for light elsewhere. Then they won't find any light. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will strike and erect a wall between them. Allah will erect a huge wall between the mu'minun and the munafiqoon, the mu'minat and the munafiqat, between the believing men and women and the hypocritical men and women. A huge wall will go up. 
from the outside the wall will be full of fire. But that will be towards the munafiqoon. On the other side, within the wall where the believers will be, there will be nothing but the rahmah of Allah. Mercy and mercy. So the hypocrites will call out to the believers from over the wall and say, Were we not with you, i.e. in the dunya? Were we not part of your group? Were we not mu'min Muslim as you were Muslims? Were we not part of the band of believers? So it will be said to them, the believers will then say to them, of course, there will be this exchange over the walls. The believers will say, yes, you were with us. But you deceived yourselves. And you waited, i.e. you lay in wait for calamities and misfortunes to strike us so that you could be free and relieved of us. وَارْتَبْتُمْ And you were doubtful. وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِي And your hopes and your desires and your ambitions and your aspirations, they deceived you. And the great deceiver, meaning shaitan, deceived you. And the worldly life deceived you. And you remained like this until the affair, the decree of Allah arrived. I would inshallah explain those verses in more detail later. But this is a reference to the light that Allah will snatch from the hypocrites. So in the, in the dunya, the meaning of light here is the light, the warmth, the heat, the security, the safety, the comfort that they enjoyed with the believers. They will think that all of these comforts, this assurance, this security, this light, this warmth and heat will all continue in the akhirah. But as soon as they die, suddenly they will be plunged into pitch darkness. That's the meaning of their example, is that of a man who lit a fire. Then, when the fire is lit and it lights up everything around it, Allah suddenly snatches their light. And Allah leaves them in darknesses unable to see. This is if the verses are referring to those who never believed. What of those who did believe and then doubted and then became hypocritical? Simple. Their example is even more clearer. Allah says their example is that of a man who lit a fire. When the fire lit up everything around him, these people originally initially believed. So they embraced Islam. They professed Islam. They became Genuine followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But later, the love of the dunya, the love of their friends, the love of their families, immediate short-term gain, profit, instant profitability, and doubt, all of these things set in. So they drifted and veered away from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they remained apparent believers, but deep down within, they became unbelievers. So they became pure hypocrites, even though they had originally believed. So their example is of a man who lit a fire. The fire lights up the surroundings and the vicinity. Their light was the light of hidayah, of guidance, of the Qur'an. They actually saw that light. Their light was belief in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa 
they had that light. They had genuine warmth, light, safety, security, heat, everything, comfort. But then when they decided to disbelieve again, when they decided to be doubtful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ They thought that we are still good. Everything's working, everything's well. Nothing's changed. Only our hearts have changed within. But externally, without, everything's the same. No. ذَهَبَ اللَّهُ بِنُورِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala snatched their light. وَتَرَكَهُمْ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ And Allah left them in darknesses, unable to see. So genuinely they were unable to see. They would sit with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa At one time, they would listen to him. Anything he said, they would believe. Now, because of that veil, <coughs> they would see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi but wouldn't see him. They would hear the Prophet sallallahu alayhi but wouldn't hear him. They would understand the Prophet sallallahu alayhi but wouldn't understand him. This is why Allah says in the next verse immediately, Allah leaves them in darkness is unable to see. They are unable to see. They are deaf. They are dumb. They are blind. For whom la yarji'oon, so they do not return, i.e. to guidance. Remarkably, they were on guidance at one time, now they are so far away that despite hearing, seeing, noticing, observing, witnessing everything, they are unable to return guidance. They, they aren't blind of sight. They aren't deaf of the ear canal. They aren't dumb of tongue and speech. They are able to speak. They are able to hear. They are able to see. But as Allah says in another verse of the Quran, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبْصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ So it's because it's not the eyes which are truly blind, but it's the hearts in the bosoms of men that are blind. And in another verse, لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنٌ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ بِهَا وَلَهُمْ آذَانٌ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِهَا أُولَٰئِكَ كَلَنْعَامِ بَلْ هُمْ أَضَلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ الْغَافِلُونَ Allah says they have hearts with which they do not understand. They have eyes with which they do not see. They have ears with which they do not hear. These people are like animals. Nay, they are even more misguided. They are heedless. That's when Allah robs a person of their sight, of their understanding, of their hearing. They hear, but they don't understand. Nothing registers. They see, but nothing registers. And that's what the hypocrites became. This is another trait of hypocrisy. When a person goes so far down the road of sin, iniquity, misguidance, then light stares at them. They are staring at light. Light burns and shines bright in their faces, into their eyes. It's blinding. They can't see. They genuinely can't see. 
The truth is there right before them. They're unable to see. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues. أو قصيب من السماء فيه ظلمات ورعد وبرق يجعلون أصابعهم في آذانهم من الصواعق حذر الموت والله محيط بالكافرين يكاد البرق يخطف أبصارهم كلما أضاء لهم مشوا فيه وإذا أظلم عليهم قاموا ولو شاء الله لذهب بسمعهم وأبصارهم إن الله على كل شيء قدير الله says there, the example of the hypocrites, Allah gives two examples here. So the first one I've already explained. What's the first example of the hypocrites? The example of a man who lights a fire. Once the fire brightens the vicinity, lights up the area, suddenly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extinguishes that light, extinguishes that warmth. And... Allah leaves them confused, bewildered, fearful, in pitch darkness, with layers upon layers of darkness, unable to see, unable to understand, unable to hear, unable to perceive, unable to return to their former state of guidance. That's the first example. The second example that Allah gives is of min as sama. Or their example is that of a rain-laden cloud from the heavens, from the sky. That rain, that cloud is heavy with rain. Fihi dhulumat. There is darkness in that cloud. Wara'd. And thunder. Wabarq. And lightning. Imagine a storm. This actually is the example of the Holy Quran. And the second example is applicable to another group of the hypocrites that I mentioned before as well. Which group is this? This isn't the group that believe that never believed. The first one, the strongest, the worst. Nor is this the second group which at one stage believed and then became unbelievers and remained unbelievers. This is the third group. And which group is this? This is a group that did believe and they were very confused. So what they would do is that they would believe. They believed. They were with the Prophet But they were torn. They would sway and swing from the Muslims to the enemy. From the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to others. And they would always sway, they would fluctuate. So unlike the first group which was very firm in their hypocrisy, they never ever believed, not even once. Unlike the second group which initially believed sincerely, and then drifted from Islam, and then remained unbelievers till the end. So theirs was a single transition from belief to disbelief. This third group was that of the confused. What they would do is that they embraced Islam, they were with the Prophet And then suddenly when something would happen, their friends, 
their family, their colleagues and acquaintances would invite them, would attract them, would, would allure them. They would swing and sway in that direction because they weren't firm in their belief. So they would go with the others. Then they would see some light because they weren't as bad and as they weren't as bad as the first two groups. So sometimes they would see the glaring bright truth of the Quran and of Rasulullah. So some of their doubts would be alleviated and they would slowly drift back towards Rasulullah. And then again when they were offered some wealth, some dunya, some love, some friendship, some recognition by the other munafiqoon, they would swing in that direction. So they were forever confused, moving from one camp to the other. The second example is of them, is for them. Allah says, all their example, their parable, is that of a rain-laden cloud in which there is darkness, i.e. there are clouds. But this storm is such that these clouds are dark, black clouds, because they are heavy with rain. It's a heavy, huge storm. And not only are the clouds dark, laden and heavy with rain, but they are full of thunder, claps of thunder and lightning. This is a Qur'an. How can it be the Qur'an with darkness? No. The Qur'an is full of rain. Sorry, the, the, the cloud is full of rain, i.e. the Qur'an. And why is it full of rain? Even in a hadith, Rasulullah has described knowledge and guidance that comes from Allah's rain. The mercy of Allah. In a hadith of Bukhari, the Prophet وسلم, and many authors mention this in the Book of Knowledge, that because the Prophet وسلم, said, the example of me and you, and the guidance that you take, and the knowledge that reaches you, is that of rain which falls from the heavens. It's the same rain, but it collects in different lands. So it'll either collect in soft soil, which is fertile, the rain seeps in, and what happens to that fertile, lush, green area? Well, the, the, the fertile soil, what happens? The rain seeps into the ground, it irrigates the land, the, it benefits the land, the land flourishes, thrives, grows green and lush in crops and in vegetation. And then, not only does the land benefit from that rain, but the land creates produce for, land, for animals and for humans. That's the example of the huda, the rain, the guidance of Allah and his knowledge. So even, and then there are other lands in which the rain collects and gathers but doesn't seep in. And then there is that jagged, rocky, uneven land, which is hard and barren, what happens? Neither does a rain seep in, so it doesn't benefit it, nor does a rain collect, because at least if it collected like the previous land, it wouldn't benefit the land itself, but animals could come and drink 
and it would at least be a reservoir for humans. But the third land, which is jagged, rocky, uneven, barren, hard, what happened, arid, what happens to that land? The water falls, doesn't seep in, doesn't even gather, but washes away. Doesn't benefit it, nor can it benefit anyone else. So even in the hadith, Rasulullah has described the guidance of Allah as rain. So here as well, the cloud is the Qur'an, laden with rain, i.e. the mercy, the knowledge and the guidance of Allah. Fihi dhulumat. How can he have darknesses? Of course, the Qur'an is full of warnings. The Qur'an is full of warnings. These are the warnings, dhulumat, the darknesses. The layers of darkness are the warnings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wara'ib and lightning. Of course, many verses of the Holy Qur'an in their warning are sharp and striking. Wara'ib, sorry, thunder, wabarq and lightning. And when these munafiqoon who were doubters and confused and would switch and fluctuate from camp to camp, when they would hear these verses, they would be fearful. And like the first group and the second group, they would actually mock the verses of the Qur'an. They would mock the verses of the Qur'an. They wouldn't care, because their hearts were sealed. These people, their hearts weren't sealed entirely. But they were very doubtful, very confused. So when they would hear verses of the Qur'an that were striking and sharp and hard-hitting in their warnings, what would they do? They would place their fingers in their ears because of the thunderclaps. They would fear death out of fear of death. So it doesn't mean they would... Whenever they would hear the verses of the Qur'an, they would place fingers in their ears. No. What it meant is that they would do the equivalent. They would not want to hear the warnings of the Qur'an. And they would fear the warnings of the Qur'an. Allah ends the verse by saying, Allah encompasses the unbelievers. Then the second verse continues with the same group. The warnings in the Holy Qur'an were so vivid, so sharp, so striking that unlike the first two groups of the hypocrites who would just mock and who were blind they were blind, deaf, dumb and blind this third group of the munafiqun was such that because they were only confused and they would sway from group to group they weren't utterly blind yet they weren't utterly deaf or dumb. So they could see, but they were weak, very weak. So what they would do is when they would hear the verses of the Holy Qur'an full of warnings, they would see it. The brightness of the lightning was such, The lightning nigh snatches, meaning closely snatches their sight. That's how bright it was. And they would see it. Whenever these warnings of the Holy Qur'an and the truths that were striking and bright would appear before them, how would they react and respond? What did I say earlier? They would believe. They would say, yes, yes, this is the truth. So, 
when the lightning would flash, whenever the lightning would flash, it would light up everything. So what would they do? They would actually walk forward towards Allah, towards Rasulullah in guidance as believers. They would walk in that lightning. But then as soon as, but lightning doesn't stay for long. It only flashes. And as soon as the lightning stops and it casts darkness upon them again, what do they do? Their guidance disappears. They suddenly come to a halt and they stand still. So they move forward slightly and they stop. And if Allah wished, Allah could take away their hearing and their sight. Meaning this third group of the munafiqun, they are still not fully blind. And they are still not fully deaf. This is why when the Prophet ﷺ would speak, when he would recite the verses of the Qur'an, they would at times respond to the verses of the Qur'an. They would respond to the warnings and the glad tidings of Rasulullah ﷺ. When these warnings, when these glad tidings were so bright and so striking, it would light up everything around them and momentarily they would believe and they would move forward in their faith. But as soon as that ended, they were plunged into darkness again. But unlike the first two groups, they weren't completely deaf, dumb or blind. There was still some hope for them. But it's up to them where they wish to go. Now, subhanAllah, and then Allah ends the verse and this whole section at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah with the words, Indeed, Allah is all-powerful over all things. What's remarkable is that we've always thought of the munafiqun as the first two groups. But there, is, there was this third group as well. And Allah describes this third group in some detail. Now imagine, in some ways, we should ask ourselves, are we even any better than this third group? Are we? Where subhanAllah, sometimes we respond to the truth of the Holy Quran and the truth of the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But it's very brief and it's momentary. The light of the Qur'an and the light of the Hadith only flashes for us for a few seconds. And in those few seconds we experience moment of, moments of faith and conviction and belief. Then, as soon as that lightning stops, we go back to our dunya, our friends, our world. We are attracted by anything and everything else. Everyone and everything else. So we waver just like they wavered. So we drift from Quran, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the dunya. The first two groups, at least we can say of them, that they were ostensibly, apparently believers, but die-hard disbelievers at heart. But this third group, they would switch from faith to be, from belief to disbelief. And in fact, one of the signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam repeatedly said that a man will be a believer in the morning and a disbeliever in the evening. A believer in the evening and a disbeliever in the morning. 
A man will rise in the morning as a believer, and in the evening he will become a disbeliever. A man will spend the evening as a believer, in the morning he will be a disbeliever. I.e., a man will fluctuate from belief to disbelief, from certainty to doubt, from conviction to uncertainty. And in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ actually said, he predicted that one of the signs of the Day of Judgment is that nifaq will be on the increase. Nifaq will increase. Hypocrisy will increase. And remember, hypocrisy, we always make this mistake whenever we hear the word nifaq, whenever we hear the term munafiqun, munafiqat, we always tend to think that this doesn't concern us because this is about those people who profess belief in Islam by tongue and yet don't believe at heart. But alhamdulillah, we are safe because we believe by heart. There was no one who knew the munafiqun better after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam than the keeper of the secrets of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Rudaifat ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu an, as I've repeatedly said. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam divulged the, name, the names of 14 munafiqun according to one narration to him. So he never knew the names of all of the munafiqun. According to one narration, the Prophet ﷺ only shared the names of 14 munafiqun with him after Ghazwat Tabuk, after the campaign of Tabuk. So even he never knew all of them. And he was a keeper of the secrets of Rasulullah. Hudayfat ibn al Yaman, who better to define nifaq and hypocrisy than him? And Hudayfat ibn al Yaman was asked, Man nifaq? What's hypocrisy? He said that a man speaks of Islam but does not act on it. That's hypocrisy. Not that a person speaks of Islam but disbelieves by heart. But rather, a man who speaks of Islam but does not act on it. That's hypocrisy by the definition of Sahibu Sirri Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hudayfat ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu The keeper of the secrets of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hudayfat ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu His definition was, hypocrisy is that a man speaks of Islam, religion, but is an act on it. So this is the kind of hypocrisy which will be on the increase closer to Yawm al-Qiyamah. This is why we should fear nifaq and hypocrisy. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum feared hypocrisy as I've related before. Ibn Abi Mulaykah says, uh, says, as Imam Bukhari relates uh, in his Sahih, that I have met 30 of the noble Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. Kulluhum yakhafun nifaq ala nafsih. Every one of them feared hypocrisy for himself. Every one of them. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum feared hypocrisy. Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu anhum both feared hypocrisy as we learn from their stories which I've related before. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum in general feared nifaq and hypocrisy. And as Imam al-Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi used to say, only a mu'min fears hypocrisy and only a munafiq feels safe from hypocrisy. So before I end, let me recap. This is the first section in the Holy Quran, right at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, which deals with 
hypocrisy and some of the traits of hypocrisy, our purpose is to learn some of these characteristics and beware of them and remove them from our character and fear them. So as a quick recap, just in this set of verses, what are some of the traits of hypocrisy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned? One is, they say with their tongue that which their hearts do not believe. So they say right at the beginning, we believe in Allah, but they don't believe in Allah. So there's a mismatch between their speech and their hearts, their speech and their deeds. That's one of the traits of hypocrisy. Number two, deception. A believer doesn't deceive, that is a characteristic and the trait of a hypocrite. Number three, there is a disease in their heart, a sickness, and that sickness is mainly doubt. Number four, they would lie. Lying is probably the most famous trait of hypocrisy. This is why in a hadith <coughs> related by Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim and others, famous hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, what are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ayatul munafiq thalath, idha haddatha kathab, the sign of a hypocrite, the signs of a hypocrite are three. The first sign is, when he speaks, he laughs. And the other hadith related by Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, again related by Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim and others. Four things which are found in a person. He is a pure hypocrite. And if one of these four traits is found in him, then he has in him a trait of hypocrisy until he eradicates it and removes it. And those four traits are, number one, when he is entrusted with a trust, he is treacherous. This is the same as in the first hadith of Abu Hurairah. Number two, when he speaks, he laughs. Same thing. When he pledges, he breaks that pledge. And in, in reality, this is actually quite distinct from So this then becomes a fourth trait. And the final trait in this second hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, وَإِذَا خَاصَمَ fajr, When he disputes, he sins. I.e., we all have our disagreements, but we keep our disagreements to a limit. We don't let them extend beyond their original remit. A mu'min has disagreements. But a mu'min might disagree with someone about an opinion. A mu'min might disagree with someone about a trade deal. A mu'min may disagree with someone about... <coughs> Alone, and what we may disagree with someone about some land, but they confine their disagreement to that one thing. They don't allow it to conflagrate. They don't allow it to spread. They don't extend it to anything and everything. That is not the sign of a mu'min. That's what a munafiq. So it's a little-known trait of the munafiq, and I'll elaborate on these two hadith later. 
but we adhere, we'll stick to the verses of the Qur'an for now. So lying is probably the chief trait of hypocrisy, as we know from the hadith. So that's the fourth one mentioned here in the verses. The next one, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْلِحُونَ Refusal to accept and acknowledge, wrong. And being defiant in sin. Arrogant, deluded. The next one. قَالُوا أَنُؤْمِنُ كَمَا آمَنَ السُّفَهَاءِ Considering good, pious Believing, observant people to be fools, that is a sign of a munafiq, not a mu'min. A mu'min never mocks the Qur'an or the people of the Qur'an. A mu'min never mocks ilm or the people of ilm. A mu'min never mocks salah, piety, bir, virtue, or the people of virtue and piety. A mu'min never mocks taqwa or the muttaqoon. Never. Never. That is a sign of a munafiq. That is a sign of a munafiq. If we cannot act on certain teachings of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if we cannot observe all of the laws of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in fact, something may not even be obligatory. It's a sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It may not even be obligatory. It's not even wajib. It's a sunnah. But a mu'min never belittles that sunnah. A mu'min respects it, even though he may not act on it himself. To mock a sunnah, or to mock the people who observe a sunnah, that is the characteristic and a trait of a pure munafiq. This is what they would do at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They are the idiots, just as Allah says, Allah innahum humus safaha The next trait, Wa two-facedness. When they would go to their people, they say, We are with you, we're only joking, making fools and idiots of the others. When they come to the believers, we are with you. Two-facedness. Another famous trait of hypocrisy. The next one, which I began with today, short-sightedness, immediate gain, instant gain, profitability, instant gain, satisfaction and gratification. That is a sign of a hypocrite, not a mu'min. Then Allah mentions the two parables, which I just explained in detail and elaborated on. So these are just some of the traits of hypocrisy that we've learned from the, this set of verses. And one other thing, they are deaf, dumb and blind. A mu'min pays attention. As I said in the verse, when it's said to them, do not spread corruption, do not make mischief on earth. What does a mu'min do? A mu'min submits, a mu'min accepts, a believer listens attentively. The 
The fortunate one is he who is admonished by others, who is advised by others, who is counseled by others. A mu'min listens to others. Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu anhu used to say, Rahimallahum ra'an ahda ilayya uyubi. May Allah have mercy on a man who presents a gift to me of my errors. A mu'min, a believer, is a mirror of a believer. And one of the meanings of this hadith is that a mu'min is able to shine the light onto another mu'min. And just as a mirror points out the flaw or the defect or the imperfection or the spot or the mole on you so that you can do something about it, a mu'min sincerely shows the mirror to a believer and points out to him a fault that he may not be aware of. And what does a mu'min do? A mu'min accepts. A mu'min listens. A mu'min submits. A mu'min is not defiant. So a mu'min listens. He is not deaf, dumb and blind to everything, to good, the truth, to good counsel, to admonition. A mu'min is not deaf, dumb and blind to the truth, like a hypocrite. A hypocrite may have perfect eyesight, perfect hearing, and may actually be very eloquent, as many of the munafiqoon were. When you see them, their bodies please you, and when they speak, you listen attentively to their words, because they were so eloquent. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul and others, Al-Akhnas ibn Shariq, and some of these leaders of the munafiqoon, they were powerful, influential, eloquent people. So they may be eloquent, but Allah calls them dumb. They were sharp of hearing, Allah calls them deaf. They had keen eyesight, very observant, very astute. Allah calls them blind. That is the sign of a hypocrite who refuses to listen, refuses to pay attention, refuses to see the truth, refuses to speak the truth. A mu'min in his humility accepts. These are just some of the traits of hypocrisy. Inshallah, in the next session, I'll move on to another set of verses uh, of the Holy Quran, actually from Surah Al-Baqarah itself. And there are other traits of hypocrisy to be found there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand the words of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah make us amongst the true, sincere believers. May Allah protect us all from the detrimental traits of hypocrisy. وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك